Welcome to the Eye on the Cure podcast. The podcast about winning the fight against retinal disease from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Welcome everyone to Eye on the Cure. I'm your host, Ben Shaberman with the Foundation Fighting Blindness. And my guest for this episode is Justin Coughlin. And he's an incredibly talented and accomplished jazz pianist. Justin has recorded more than a dozen albums and collaborated on about 30 albums as a sideman. And he became a pro at the young age of 14. He toured with Quincy Jones at a pretty young age. He was a Thelonious Monk International Jazz Competition semifinalist and was voted Jazz Artist of the Year by Veer Magazine. And what Quincy Jones said about Justin, quote, a simply beautiful cat. You can feel it in every note he plays. And I am by no means a jazz aficionado, but I really love Justin's playing. He's so agile and quick, but there's also a light breezy quality to his compositions. And I agree with Quincy. Justin, your playing is beautiful. So welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted to have you as a guest. Thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to chatting with you. Me too. Me too. And before we begin our discussion, I want to tell a little story. So I'm a big time independent film moviegoer. I'm a real film geek. And I think it was about 10 years ago, I heard about a documentary film called Keep On, Keepin' On that was playing at the American Film Institute or the AFI in Silver Spring, which is near where I live in D.C. And the film featured the legendary jazz trumpeter Clark Terry, or CT as he's often called, and his friendship and mentorship of you, Justin. And it captured the hours you spent with him learning tunes and talking all about jazz and playing. And I'll note, he was bedridden much of the time when the movie was recorded. He, he was elderly and had complications from diabetes. But the movie was really awesome and touching. Your relationship with CT, the music, your preparation for that Thelonious Monk competition, mm -hmm. were all great little stories. But ultimately, what was really cool is that, unbeknownst to me, you were in the audience of that screening at the AFI, and I was so thrilled to meet you afterward. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you, I helped get you a gig at our Visions Conference later that summer so sure did yeah it was really fun to meet you there and i want to let our listeners know that keep on keeping on it's just a wonderful movie whether you like jazz whatever it's a great story and it is on amazon prime and i will want to talk with you justin more about that movie later in our interview mm -hmm. but I wanted to start our discussion by playing a clip of a song called Exodus. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us about this clip? Is this live? Yeah, this is a live recording. This is one of the most recent things I've put out. But Exodus is, is an older composition. I wrote it back in college, I think. And it found new life because uh, my, my good friend Al Hicks, who was the director of that film you're talking about, Keep On Keeping On, decided to use that as, as sort of like a running theme throughout the film. Every time Clark is sort of giving me really wise, wise, you know, sharing wise wisdom, his wisdom with me, this, this song is playing throughout that film. So it's a nice thread. And, you know, uh, I, I always thought it was just a simple thing that, that, that came quite 
quite quickly, actually, as I was as I wrote it. And yeah, this is from a, a recording called Live at Sam First, which uh, was recorded a few years ago with me, a bass player named Dave Robert, and the drummers Mark Ferber. That's great. And so Live at Sam First is a recording that people can acquire through their favorite streaming they service. They can, yes. Okay. okay, without further ado, here is a clip from Exodus. widely available through your favorite streaming or download service. So let's talk about you a bit, Justin, in your beginning. And early in childhood, you were diagnosed with a condition called exudative retinopathy. And as much as I like talking about science, we're not going to get into these <laughs> too much. It does affect the vasculature in the retina. But what I want to know is how did that affect your vision and your early years? So I was always low vision. My right eye was never, I don't think, as far as I can remember, it was never functional. I could only see out of my left eye and enough to get around. I was able to move about. I, I could play a little bit of basketball. You know, I was able to play video games. So it felt relatively normal, except I had glasses and I had to go to the doctors quite often. But besides maybe not being able to play baseball, you know, uh, I, I, it, didn't, it didn't feel too... Like I said, besides having to go to the doctors quite often, I, I, I was pretty active. And though it, it is a degenerative disease. So when I turned 11, uh, when I was 11 is when, when all of the vision, after I think about 11 surgeries, uh, it went away. <laughs> you know? and, and then that was obviously a, a bigger, you know, quite, quite a transition. But in the early years, you know, when I look back on it, it, it felt quite, no, you know, at least as far as I can, you know, recollect, quite normal. I loved, like I said, sports and video games. Music was there. I, I studied violin. I started taking violin lessons when I was four. And then I started piano when I was nine. And honestly, before I lost my sight, it was more, you know, I have three brothers and a sister and we all took lessons of some sort. And, you know, it was a thing that we did. And, and I did have, you know, I, I liked music. But it was like, uh, I didn't want to practice, for instance. You know, I would much rather be playing video games. And and really what happened, if you don't mind me just jumping jumping ahead, but when I did lose my sight, the biggest thing that happened is a lot of these things that I was used to doing were 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 now no longer a part of my life with, with the sports and with being outside and just hanging out with, with the buddies. And but most importantly for me, 
video games were, were gone. And really, I just found myself at the piano for lack of anything else to do in the beginning. And because of that, you know, I began to grow. And as I grew, my love for the music really developed. And it became a lot easier to practice because I, I understood the, the benefits. And then, you know, we kept, we just kept on moving with it. I, in a way, I'm, I'm, you know, I wouldn't say thankful, but things work out in, in that kind of way. You know, you find, you find your way. I think losing my, my sight was maybe a, a bit of a catalyst to help me discover that love for music. Right. And one of my favorite lines from the movie from you is you said that learning a new song was like getting a new toy. Mm -hmm. I, I love mm -hmm. mine. And again, you know, we, a, we like to collect. Yeah, definitely yeah. a collector. And if I heard something I liked, I wanted to have it. I wanted to, I wanted to have it in my, you know, in my bag, so to speak. So really, you know, acqu acquiring these new really modes of expression. So, oh my gosh, you know, I get excited hearing something and it's like, yeah, I, I got to play it <laughs> the way it went. That's, that's great. And you still feel that way. Oh, big time. Big time. Always, always searching, always excited to find something, something new to add, add to the repertoire. That's great. And you, I, I mean, you practice all the time with all your performances and recordings and everything you're doing. Do you enjoy practicing or is it still kind of labor? Well, it's, it's turned into quite a different thing. No, not, not like when I was a kid where, you know, I really, I only practiced because my reward was that I could play video games after. So, you know, I, I certainly, of course, like, like anything, you know, there, there is a, a discipline that you need to, you know, cultivate, but, but in order to obviously continue doing what I do and to, to, to continue growing, that's the primary goal is to continue to find new things or explore and, and find new way, you know, new ways to express myself through, through the instrument. So really, I think practice is more of another kind of form of discovery as I work out new ideas or, or find, you know, find new, new sounds, new, new songs or new, new approaches from other musicians that I want to maybe add to my arsenal. But we, you know, it's, it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to practice. But, you know, I don't have the same aversion <laughs> that right. I did when I was a kid. Yeah. Practicing something like music, I presume, is a lot like other disciplines where, while you're doing it, it may be a little challenging or. Well, know, it's not an exciting fun. thing. It's it's not it's not an exciting thing, but it is the thing that's necessary that makes all of those exciting things possible. It really, you you know, I practice and I've I will continue to practice so that when I get on stage, I have the freedom that all of that practice gives me. I I can I can have that freedom. I can totally be lost in the moment and not be restricted by you know ability. It's like if you hear it, I want to be able to play whatever is in my head. And the thing that can hold me back is technique. So the practicing makes all of that, all of that possible. Right, right. Yeah, that's important. You, you don't have to worry about knowing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. In the movie, Keep On Keeping On, one of the things I enjoyed most is Clark would scat sing a melody. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to attempt to <laughs> replicate <laughs> how BT would do that. But he would scat sing and you'd be there on the keyboard and you would almost immediately replicate what he did vocally. Mm -hmm. And is that just kind of a natural talent you have? Is that something you've learned over the years? It's so impressive. I would say it's it maybe 
early on, I know my teachers did recognize that I had, you know, a decent ear. So I know that it, it wasn't bad. You know, my, my, I have what is called relative pitch. So some people have perfect pitch where they know exactly the note that they hear, no matter what, where they are, what instrument it is or whatever. Mine is relative where I need at least one note and then, then I'm okay, you know, but I do need that reference. But without working on it, without developing it and be actually being in that kind of situation with Clark where his his teaching method was was really I'm going to give it to you and this is the way you're going to get it you know by ear uh, if you don't get it uh, tough luck you know so there there is a little bit of a you, you have to jump in and when the when the film was when my buddy was actually filming you know I had been with Clark for quite a decent amount of time before then so yeah you you I was pretty keyed into to his his sound and 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 you know his particular way of of hitting notes and so yeah I did have an I guess I do have a strong ear but with 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 time and again with practice you know with development I think that's that's where that really comes from with to be able to recall those notes as as quickly as I I, I am able to now certainly certainly. And you met CT at William Patterson University in New Jersey. That's where you went to school to really mm -hmm. learn music in earnest. You graduated summa cum laude. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. I know that was <laughs> a few years ago, but congratulations. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. What was that experience like to be in that school with other music students and to meet CT there? It was a really wonderful experience. I had, uh, you know, I came up from from Virginia Beach and I studied jazz at, at a place called the Governor's School for the Arts here in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And I got to connect with the jazz musicians in this area. And two of them, Jeff Smith, a saxophonist, and Alan Farnham, a really wonderful pianist, both got their masters at William Patterson. So they, and they had really good things to say. So that's really what, you know, made me take a look. And being there was was really remarkable uh, it's a wonderful jazz program kind of couched inside of a pretty just a standard university up there and because of its proximity it's quite close to new york city about 45 minutes out so a lot of the faculty would come in from new york so we really got to study with top-notch educators i got to meet a pianist harold mayburn and and one of my favorite pianists of all time mulgrew miller actually was running the program while I was a student there. And also, because Clark was living by the school at that time, me and my buddies would, would go and, and spend time at his place. So, I mean, it really was a, a remarkable experience. Uh, I'm extremely grateful for, you know, well, both of these institutions, actually, the Governor's School for getting me started, you know, getting me getting me on this path, and then William Patterson for, for helping me really discover so much more, especially in the relationships that I've been able to cultivate uh, with students, and with, with the faculty. Right. It's interesting how important relationships have been for you in moving your career forward. And I think just mm. your overall enjoyment of music, you collaborate so much, so mm. much. That's impressive. Well, I think that's what we're here to do, really. You know, we're here to, as much as sometimes I don't like it, you know, we're here to be around other people. <laughs> and also we're here to make music, you know, I, 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 it's it, it it's all all kinds of things. It's inspiring. Sometimes it's challenging. But again, I think you don't really grow as a person if you're just by yourself all the time. Also, you don't really grow that much if you're by yourself as a musician. You know, to bounce ideas off, to be pushed by other musicians. I think that's pretty. I would say that's that's the reason. Well, for me, I could say that's the reason I do it. It it is for that communal experience. And then to be able to turn around and share that with an audience. You know, it's it's really it's it is about the connection. Right. And and you collaborate so beautifully. I, I know when I listen to your music, 
I get so absorbed into just the melodies and what I'm listening to and not really even thinking about who's playing what. Mm. I, I just mm. get lost in the, the oh, That's good to hear. Yeah. And I think that speaks to your ability to collaborate so well. You've had a lot of achievements. I've rattled off a few of those <laughs> at the beginning. Uh -huh. In the intro, and I realize you don't do what you do for the achievements and the accolades entirely. You're, you do it because you love the music. But are there particular moments or achievements that you're really pleased with or are proud of? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I've always thought of it as just sort of a continuous sort of thing, you know, to think about any of, any of the achievements. I think really... Uh, if I were to say anything that I'm proud of or, or grateful for, I would actually just go back to the, the connections I've been able to make or uh, the people I've been able to be around. It was uh, because of the film that opened up new po possibilities for me to go and travel and to go to Europe and to be in Asia and go to a lot of new places I could have never even imagined uh, visiting and connecting with people, you know, all over. That was certainly uh, something I'm I'm very grateful for. But I don't know. I, I guess I guess maybe I'm I find myself really looking forward and, and hope seeing seeing what, what is next. What's, what's on the horizon. And to be honest, you know, things have actually taken a bit of a shift for me in, in this last couple of years. Pandemic sort of put a stop to a lot of things. And as it did, I found myself realizing, you know, maybe maybe the touring thing I could take a break from for a little bit. And so I have, and and I am back in Virginia, back in my hometown, and I'm, I'm teaching actually back at the governor's school. And we mentioned sort of achievements. I think the thing I'm looking forward to most is, is seeing things grow in this new arena. And this, I guess, new chapter for me, you know, that, that's really kind of what's been on my mind, what's kind of been driving me forward. So I guess I don't, <laughs> you know, to answer your question, I don't know <laughs> uh, in terms of anything in the past. I think it's more I'm excited and, you know, really looking forward to see what, what new developments come about. So we'll see. Maybe I'll have a better answer in a few years. That's OK. I, I think what you said is th that there's a lot of joy and pride that you get from playing and, you know, if if there isn't a particular moment you want to hang your hat on, that's totally yeah. cool. I think it's great that you're paying it forward in teaching because along with Clark Terry, you've had a lot of great teachers and mm -hmm. you've obviously established yourself as a pretty accomplished player. And now again, you can pay it forward. So I think that's a pretty good accomplishment or milestone. It's, it's certainly a new, a new, like I said, new chapter. I very much am, I'm, a, I'm new to it. You know, I, I kind of steered away from teaching for a, for quite a while, actually. I didn't think that I was in the right place to, to really do that. And I had given lessons before, but to really be involved with a program and to work with, with students, you know, every day opened up a new thing inside of me, for sure. And I very much look forward to continuing to learn how to teach. I think that's that's really been my thing. <laughs> Every day I feel like I, I learned something new about how to how to do this thing because I think it is another type of art form. It's another science that I'm I'm fascinated with and kind of excited to be a beginner at. I'm I'm enjoying that aspect of it. So yeah, I think we'll we'll see how things continue to develop. But we're 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 happy to be able to just make the music. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. 
One thing I'm curious about when you play, this is a little off the topic of your teaching and achievements, but Mm -hmm. something that came to mind when somebody has eyesight, and I know this is true for me, and I'm giving a talk somewhere, you can kind of read the room because you can see people, you can tell visually if they're locked into what you're saying or they're busy eating or nodding off. That happens, you know. Mm-hmm. When, when you play, because you don't have eyesight, can you really get a sense of the audience and how locked in they are? Does the Do you get a vibe from the audience? Vibe is the right word. Obviously, I don't get immediately, uh, you know, like immediate information from being able to, yeah, like you say, you can look and see the faces or the body, body language. For me, it's, there is a feeling, there's definitely a feeling in the room. And it's something that I'm learning to be more and more in tune with, especially as in the teaching capacity, being able to sort of feel the room out in that arena as well. Like it's, it's, it's different. I think I'm learning to pay attention to different sort of signals and just kind of have the radar up to feel that. But when I'm playing, at least when I'm in the music, I, that's something that I don't think I would, I, I think about so much. It's more kind of in between where I kind of maybe reemerge into the regular world and kind of see how it's feeling. But it is something that I have been thinking about more and more, you know, how, how to, again, be in tune with that. But, you know, moving target, I guess. Right. Well, it's another area of growth and exploration. Yep. That's, that's right. So let's get back to the movie a little more. So tell us about how Keep On, Keeping On came about. How did you get asked to do that movie with Clark? So William Patterson really plays a big role in that because I met the director, Al Hicks, who was a drummer in the program. And Al was already connected with Clark, was hanging at his house. So he brought me over. And that's how that you know relationship started. And as I said in the movie, one of the reasons they wanted me to connect with Clark was because he was also losing his sight. And they wanted me to go and partly give him encouragement and ha- give him somebody he could ask questions. But also, I think because I was totally blind, I think he wasn't allowed, he wasn't really able to complain as much when I was there, <laughs> like about about not being able to see. So we did connect. Then fast forward, gosh, about four, four or five years, Al's from Australia. He's with a buddy of his uh, named Adam Hart. And Al just realized like something needs to be made about Clark. This guy is, is somebody who's really lived through the early, early stages in jazz and, and lived through all of the development, became a a renowned teacher, uh, as well as one of the top trumpeters in the history of the music. So with no real experience, Al was like, let's let's do this. Let's get a couple cameras that can shoot some HD footage, get some some zoom handy zoom recorders and just kind of capture whatever we can. Mainly, they were thinking of just getting stories from Clark. And then they realized, oh, you know, we can maybe capture Clark actually doing his thing, which is teaching, being a mentor. And yeah, they followed us. They <laughs> lived with us. Uh, Al and and Ad for four years, I think. That's about how long they they filmed. And like I said, no experience, but definitely just had the had the chutzpah, I guess, just to go for it. And it was remarkable. You know, Al connected with a wonderful producer from Colorado, Paula Dupree Pesman. And while we were filming, is how I actually connected with Quincy because Quincy was Clark's one of Clark's first students, and we all met at Clark's house back down in Arkansas. So it was quite a ride, I will have to say. None of us could have anticipated it, it developing the way that it did, but because. I think Al was just so free to go with whatever was happening and and determined to capture it. I have to say it was really fortuitous. All of the people involved with it, including Paula and including Quincy, really a beautiful group of people 
And and I really think that's reflected in the film. But yeah, quite an interesting sort of situation. I think what did Al had like a Kodak? What is it? A five five D? Or I think that's what it was. <laughs> you know, that's 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 how that whole film came about. It's, it's, it was an experience. It was quite a ride. It's a wonderful film. And I maybe I was just so engaged in the story. I wasn't thinking about the production. I, I mean, to me, the production was great. But the way CT's story and your story were woven together, you know, he's got these health challenges, but yet there was a lot of reflection on his career. Mm -hmm. And as you said, he was a teacher for Quincy Jones, for Miles Davis. I mean, he played with all the big names, Duke Ellington, Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, his legacy is really important for, for us to know. And at the same time, you were growing as a musician. You're not old now, but you were even younger then. And you were preparing for that Thelonious Monk competition. It's just a great, great stories that are, are told in parallel. And as I said earlier, whether you're a fan of jazz or music or not it's just a great story so i would i would stress that yeah i mean we are both you know i'm an aspiring jazz musician he's an accomplished jazz musician but to be quite honest the story has almost very little to do with jazz <laughs> i mean except the fact that that's what he's teaching me i think really the focus uh, and why i'm so happy to be up to be a part of the film is that yeah we are we're musicians that's what we do but i think what i take away from it is Again, the connection, the fact that you have, I met Clark when he was probably 80, gosh, 86, 85, and I was 19. You know, that sort of unique connection and really the love that he, he really emanated love and joy. Um, so, yeah, you know, you'll hear some jazz music for sure, you know, throughout the film, but I almost don't even think of it as, as any, any type of jazz film, except that's just what we do. Well, the real core of the movie is your relationship with him, but there's mm. some other characters in the movie, your guide dog at the time, Candy, there were a lot of great clips of her. Oh, big time. Being affectionate and CT's wife, your mom. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Other people that were important as well. But again, I want to let listeners know that is available on Amazon Prime. If I remember correctly, I think I rented it for three ninety nine. But it's the best four bucks you'll spend on entertainment. So <laughs> appreciate I that. Really, I really encourage people to watch it. So full disclosure, one of the reasons I reached out to you to do the podcast and you came back into my back on my radar screen is I live in DC. I was perusing the Kennedy center calendar to see mm -hmm. what events were coming up. And I saw that on April 26th, I believe mm -hmm. you are playing with two other really accomplished pianists, Matthew mm -hmm. Whitaker and Jose Andrew Montano mm -hmm. in a program called Three Keys to Ellington. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, been really, really, really fortunate, really grateful to have a, a connection with the Kennedy Center. They have a program called the VSA, Very Special Arts, and highlights, you know, artists of all kind with disabilities. And I believe all three of us have a connection with the program 
but definitely with the Kennedy Center. So yeah, they reached out and and because of you know, this being a kind of a momentous year for for the Duke Ellington, they're putting this the three of us together. We've not done anything like this before. I've run into Matthew a number of times while I was living in New York. He would come out and, and see some of my performances, and we've we've since then you know stayed in touch. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be we're going to be doing some solo pieces. We're going to take turns, but I think there will also be some collaborations, at least four hands. Hopefully they'll have two pianos set up, but it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, both of these guys are really, really awesome musicians. And I think it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be special for sure. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a nice, and I mean, two piano players or even three, if we actually all three play, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> you don't want to step on each other's toes. There's a lot of keys on that piano, but I'm confident it's going to be it's going to be an awesome night. I'm sure it will be. I'm so disappointed. I have a work meeting out of town, and I'm mm. not going to be able to make it. That's the irony. I saw this event. I got so excited about it. reached out yeah. to you, and I won't be able to be there. But for people to know, again, it's the Kennedy Center, April 26th. It's called Three Keys to to Ellington, and. Yeah. It, somewhere in the vicinity, I strongly, strongly recommend it. So Justin, I just mentioned that event at the Kennedy Center. Is there anything else on your radar screen? Anything next on the horizon that you want to tell us about? I'm doing some jumping around. I'll be in. Um, I'll be spending some time in February in uh, Denmark. I'll be there for two weeks with a buddy of mine, Thomas Funnishbeck. He's a wonderful bass player. And we've, we've put out a number of projects together and we'll probably cook up, cook up another one. Uh, while I'm over there, but uh, you know, just kind of living that, <laughs> living that life. I'm I'm primarily focused on the teaching right now and mostly staying put. But yeah, I, I think once once a month, once every couple months, I usually take a take a little bit of a detour, head out somewhere, and and get to uh, play with some of the some of these wonderful musicians I've connected with in the past. One thing that I am working on while I'm here at home in Virginia is at the school I've started my own. Or started a, a jazz series actually at the at the school. Virginia isn't really you know a hot spot for jazz music, and I think that while I'm here, I would certainly like to maybe see see a little bit of growth, get a little bit more awareness of you know really what kind of beautiful things can happen. So I'm I'm doing that once a month, and and hoping to continue to kind of see that grow and reach out to more people to kind of bring them here. And and that's sort of been my my new passion is okay, you know I I, I do enjoy the traveling, but I'm thrilled to be able to maybe introduce the people from my hometown to all of the people that I've met over the years. And, you know, I had actually Thomas was here uh, in December uh, of last year and I had him perform as a part of the, a part of my little jazz series. And it's just exciting for me to be able to kind of connect these two worlds that have been quite separate in my experience. You know, what I've done since I left Virginia and then the the people and the, and the music and the musicians that I've connected with from home. And so it's, 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 I'm looking forward to being able to kind of bridge that gap for myself personally. And just to be able to say thank you, you know, to all these people. This year, I've been booking all of my teachers that I spent time with while I was a student. And so uh, we're going to, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of invested in in trying to see what, you know, what, what we can do here at, at the home, home front. That's great that you're giving back to your your community. And if people want to learn more about where you're touring, what you're doing in your hometown, what's your website? What's the best way for people? Hey, to it's my name, www.justincoughlin.com. And please, yeah, please feel free to visit. My mom takes good care of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. impressive. Your mom is managing yeah. 
website. Yeah. Ever that. since I was in high school, you know, we started our, I forget where we got Dynamite, you know, one of these, you know, uh, kind of you get started on making a website and she's, she just kind of took it upon herself to learn how to do all these different types of things. And I, you know, I say, okay, if you enjoy it, go for it. You know, so she's, she keeps it up to date and make sure whatever I've been up to is, is up there. And yeah, that, that's the best way. And of course, with the social media, I'm not a big fan of social media myself, so I don't, I post, you know, once in a while, <laughs> so, but, but, but I do try to at least keep the, the most important information up there, you know, if something is coming up. Well, if nothing else, if uh, the listeners out there Google Justin mm -hmm. Coughlin and that's K-A-U-F-L-I-N. You got it. They'll find a lot of information on you because that's how I prepare for this yeah. Hey, you know, funny story, though. Don't go searching blind pianist or something like that, because then you'll find you'll actually find Matthew Whitaker. <laughs> so, oh, Matthew, you took the spot, man. <laughs> the blind pianist on Google. Okay. Baby. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we're we're up there. And and you can feel free to reach out either in the social media or or through the website. There's a form you can yeah, if you'd like to contact. That That's great. And kudos to your mom. She does a good job. I trust she does. She does it, it looks like a pro does it. So awesome. Uh, hey, glad to hear it. Let her know. So, Justin, it's been really wonderful to talk with you and, and learn more about your past, where you're going, and you're you're still a pretty young guy. So I'm looking forward to your journey moving forward and what you do and what you come out with. And I want to close the program by playing an entire song from you. It's called Thank You, Lord. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to it, I think it's a live recording. Is yep, that it's from the same one. Yep, the Live at okay. Sam First. Yep. Live at Sam First. Is there anything else you want to say about this piece? No, I just want to thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful chatting with you and uh, reconnecting from all the way back. Man, that'd have been 2014 when we met, right? Yeah. I think that's when the movie came out. Yeah. And, and in Silver Spring, that's my hometown, actually. That's where I was born. My mom and dad were there, my grandma. So it's like, it's nice we connected there. That's another important location for me, actually. But this piece, Thank You, Lord, is another very simple, simple song that, that came about pretty quickly. And the idea was, it's, it's nice to always give myself a reminder. I, I like to end my performances with this piece because that's, you know, it's a gift. It really is a gift to be able to share things that are very deep, very personal to me through the music. And to have that opportunity to actually have people listening is is really something I don't never want to take for granted. So this is my way of being able to say thank you, God, for you know, for, for letting me do this and letting me be with these people and to be able to kind of share that with them. Uh, you know, I think it always, it has to come back to gratitude. So that's, that's what it's about. You know, I think gratitude is often what it's all about. So Justin, thank you for all the great music you make and sharing that music and your teaching and, and for taking some time to chat with me on this podcast. And thank you listeners for joining Eye on the Cure for this episode. Stay tuned for the next episode, but don't go away. Please enjoy this full tune from Justin Coughlin. It's called Thank You, Lord. Sit back as long as you're not driving. Have a little glass of wine or coffee or whatever, relax and move through the rest of your day or evening with this song. Take care, everyone.
Thank you. Mark Ferber on the drums. Dave Robert on the bass. My name is Justin Coughlin. Thank you so much. God bless. We'll see you next time. <laughs>